Welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. You'll hear from John Paulson in a second. What we have coming up on the podcast is this is our free agency podcast. We've got a lot of news throughout the last month or so. Three major big trades, including Antonio Brown going to the Raiders and then Odell Beckham going to the Browns. So we'll talk about the impact of those players from a fantasy perspective, impact on the rest of the teams, not only for the Raiders getting Antonio Brown, but also the Steelers losing Brown. So you want to tune in for that. We've got all the quarterback, running back, wide receiver signings that happened throughout uh, the course of the offseason. So John will just give you perspective on all of that. And I welcome in John Paulson, who uh, is the guru, the fantasy rankings guru at uh, 444.com. John, I I missed you so much throughout uh, the the last couple of months. Wanted to get you back on the podcast, and uh, I'm happy to hear your voice again. I am uh, happy to be back, and I think I have this date circled on my calendar for the last few months. This is the <laughs> highlight of my uh, spring, early, late winter, early spring. Um, the, the, the free agency pod pod is always a fun one because of all the activity that happens in the first few days of free agency. And this was a particularly dramatic free agency period. A lot of the big names are off the ta- table now, but uh, so there's a lot to talk to talk about today. Yeah, I can't remember a, a, a more busy offseason, at least at the start. Now, you always get the free agency signings, but we're starting to see more trades in the NFL, which makes it makes it fun. I mean, the, the MLB, uh, when, when the MLB trade deadline comes up, that's exciting to constantly check the rumor mill. And for the NFL, that, that certainly happened. And, it, uh, you know, the NBA is like that, too, where the, the offseason is just all about the trades and who's going where. So uh, it certainly makes for, for an interesting time for fantasy owners as well. Tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yes, this is a band by the name of Rival Sons. I think we had one other song on uh, the Most Accurate Podcast playlist uh, previously, but this is a track called Good Things. It's the fifth track off their 19, uh, 19, 2015 album, uh, Great Western Valkyrie. Uh, it's, it's a good good track. I'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on uh, Spotify. Uh, if you can't find it there, you can go to any podcast post on 444.com and there's a there's a link there to the uh, the playlist so you can find all the music that we uh, feature every week you sent me a song from rival sons about a month ago and i i've been just listening to them going back and forth to work i love the song do your worst but they've got a, a deep collection of, of songs that i really like and you and you and I, we're, we differ a lot in our musical taste. I seem to be more contemporary, more kind of hard rock. I'm okay with some of the the produced stuff where you're more, uh, you know, eclectic. I guess you know yeah. more certainly more eclectic than than me. And you, you kind of like the the more traditional sounds where you're not going to get such a produced, uh, you know, song. So. The fact that you and I both like Rival Sons, I think, is is pretty good for our listeners. We could definitely uh, say that's an endorsed song, uh, endorsed band from this playlist or from it, this yeah. uh, podcast, right? 
Definitely. All right, let's let before we get into Rob Gronkowski, who, who retired a couple of days ago. Want to let you know we have our, our current early bird pricing for four for four subscriptions. If you've ever been on the fence about joining four for four, but you've heard great things, whether it's John and his rankings or some of the unique articles that we um, you know produce throughout the course of the off season and during the season, you say, hey. I wanna I wanna sign up now is the time because we've got all our early bird pricing. A classic subscription is seventeen percent off. That's gonna cost you twenty four dollars. So if you take your significant other out and 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 just get a, a sandwich nowadays, it's costing you twenty four dollars. So for a subscription for the entire season, that's it for the the classic sub, just twenty four. If you want more advanced studies. Our pro subscription is also 17% off. That's $49 for the entire season. A tremendous value, again, if you do it right now. And then our DFS subscription, you get everything included in the Classic and the Pro, and then all of our DFS rankings as well. And and, uh, our DFS team does a tremendous job. T.J. Hernandez is highly involved with our DFS, and he's great. $119 for a DFS subscription, 20% off. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I'll wait on it. Don't wait because when you wait and it gets closer to the season, and I know you're going to sign up for one of these subscriptions at four for four, you're going to be kicking yourself because you didn't do it when uh, John and I told you to jump on that early bird pricing. So $24 classic sub pro subscription is $49 right now and $119 for the DFS sub. Uh, that's 20% off. It's our early bird pricing. John, I know you also wanted to talk about some of the articles that have been posted recently for 4 for 4 over the last month or so, so take it away. Uh, yeah, uh, in late February, I published a bunch of uh, rankings for each position. Those are called my Never Too Early 2019 rankings. Uh, there's one article for each position. I'm keeping those updated. I actually updated uh, all four within the last few days uh, post-free agency, so check that out. I got the 2019 free agency uh, tracker, fantasy free agency tracker, where I've broken down uh, a lot of the moves in about a paragraph or so to give my take. And then um, the contributors at 444 are posting a lot of great articles right now. There's the fantasy impact of the you know, Antonio Brown trade, the Odell Beckham trade. There's a Joe Flacco article for, for people looking for Joe Flacco news. I know that's a lot of people looking for Joe Flacco <laughs> news. Uh, I wrote a, a free agency, fantasy free agency winners and losers article uh, to talk about who's Stock is up and down uh, based on free agency. There's a Le'Veon Bell article by TJ Hernandez. There's a really good offensive line uh, article by Justin Edwards. I think we're going to feature more offensive line uh, analysis and articles and uh, everything this year. And I think Justin uh, did a great job. He's got a, a ranking system for his uh, for that position, and it's a really important one. I think we're finding more and more as a uh, the years go on, how important the, the offensive line is to fantasy production in a given season. And then uh, there's a Jennifer, uh, Devin, I said Jennifer, Jennifer Eakins uh, uh, posted a Devin Funches uh, article uh, as he makes his move to Indianapolis. We'll talk about a little bit about the pod as well, but uh, she just posted that article uh, yesterday. So uh, a lot of stuff going on at 444. Check it out. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast here. I mentioned that we've got a lot of trades to get to, but I actually want to start off with the the latest news, which is Rob Gronkowski has uh, retired. He noted that over the weekend. If you're watching any of the the, the March Madness action, you know, you kind of saw it maybe on the the ticker there. Uh, So he announced his retirement. John, a couple of questions from this. Obviously, I want to know your thoughts on Tom, how this how this affects Tom Brady and the Patriots. Gronkowski's been in and out of the lineup over the last couple of years, and and he and he really looked broken down 
toward the end of last year. I know he had a big game against Kansas City to put the Patriots into the Super Bowl, but he really looked like a shell of his former self. So what's the impact on Tom Brady? And just your thoughts. Do you think Do you think that he he could potentially return? Because as his agent, Drew Rosenau, said, he wouldn't be shocked if Rob Gronkowski returned at some point. That's possible. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it or waste a draft pick unless you're talking like a late late round one where you can kind of plug him into uh, injured reserve spot or retired spot in your league. Um, he just wasn't his, his usual self last season. I mean, he was out there. They were targeting him quite a bit. Tom Brady was, uh, especially in the red zone, but he just wasn't as effective as he had been in previous seasons. And I can understand why he's uh, he's retiring at this point because his, his game is not where it was. And that may be part of it uh, in terms of his own expectations and not being able to meet them. I think as a, uh, impact on the team. It's obviously bad for Tom Brady, who's already uh, starting to decline in terms of his free, uh, his fantasy uh, production. Uh, he has his moments, but he's no longer the, uh, I'm going to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns as we, you know, throw the ball 50, 55 times. I think this team probably becomes more of a uh, run oriented team with uh, Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead. They have a group of good running backs there. Um, James White specifically does a little bit better when uh, Gronkowski is out. He gets to be a bigger part of the game plan. So I think his stock is boosted a little bit, especially in PPR format, since he does so much of his work in the uh, receiving game. Uh, and then uh, as far as the receivers are concerned, Julian Edelman looks like a, you know, a real strong pick. And then they've got just kind of a bunch of guys right now. Chris Hogan uh, is a free agent, so he uh, may not be back. Uh, and you're looking at, Philip Dorsett resigned, Bruce Ellington. Uh, they're hoping that Josh Gordon can come back. So we're, gonna, we're on chapter nine, 19 of Josh Gordon's NFL career in terms of <laughs> what's going to happen there. Uh, so they're, they're kind of holding out hope that he'll be back. And if he comes back, then maybe it's not as big a blow to uh, this passing offense as it, uh, uh, Gronkowski's retirement as it, as it appears to be right now. Yeah, you got to get a little bit of a taste of what, what life would be like without a fully – healthy Rob Gronkowski really over the last couple of years but you got you got the the, be, the best example this past year let's dive into these big these big trades we'll start off with Antonio Brown the Raiders acquired Brown from the Steelers in exchange for a third and fifth round pick some have criticized the Steelers on that whatever let's focus on the fantasy aspect of it um at least he didn't wind up in Buffalo John but there's no question that this is a downgrade in quarterback. A lot of people feel that Derek Carr can still recapture that magic that he had three seasons ago when he he basically led the Raiders to the playoffs uh, before getting hurt. But uh, Derek Carr hasn't been good since that point, and really a lot of that success that he had that year was dinking and dunking. So Brown goes to a situation where the quarterback isn't as great, and the offense certainly uh, doesn't have the same capabilities as the Steelers did. What's the impact on the Raiders? They also signed Tyrell Williams. They cut Jordy Nelson. And what's the impact on Antonio Brown? Because a lot of fantasy owners are going to be tasked with, okay, do I go with the elite player in Antonio Brown, even though he's in a situation that's questionable, or do I just bypass Antonio Brown because I don't trust Derek Carr in that offense? Well, looking at Antonio Brown, you're, you know, I anybody who listens to me or has followed me for more than a year has probably heard me say that I don't like free agent receivers which are receivers that change teams unless they're getting an upgrade at 
quarterback or are going to see an upgrade in role in terms of like total targets. Uh, I think Antonio Brown will be okay. He's the, the move is happening, you know, now, which is he wanted out. This is a fresh start for him. Uh, it's happening now. He's already visited Derek Carr at his, at his house, as we, we saw on, uh, on Twitter. Um, but looking at the two quarterbacks, there may not be as big of a disparity um, quality-wise that as it seems. Um, and what I mean by that is when I, when I look at these moves, I'm looking at fantasy points per pass attempt for the quarterbacks. And Ben Roethlisberger averaged uh, 0.63 fantasy points per pass attempt directed at Antonio Brown over the past two seasons. That's very, very high. To all of his other receivers, he's averaged 0.46 fantasy points per pass attempt, and that includes Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a very strong 0.59 fantasy points per pass attempt. And then you look at Derek Carr, and this last season under John Gruden, so I just looked at one season because it was Gruden's first season running the offense, Carr averaged 0.44 fantasy points per pass attempt to all of his wide receivers, and that included Amari Cooper, uh, and he wasn't very good. You know, particularly good throwing to, to Cooper, so it wasn't like it was a big bonus keeping him in that um, in that sample set. Sample. Uh, so, uh, what I'm saying is, Carr is maybe not as bad as Roethlisberger is. I'm sorry, is not as maybe as bad compared to Roethlisberger as, as the conventional wisdom would say. I mean, obviously, we look at the two quarterbacks, and Roethlisberger is a lot more accomplished. Uh, he's had a lot more fantasy success, especially at home. Um, but maybe moving uh, Antonio Brown to the Raiders will be enough to, to boost Carr. And then his you know fancy points per pass attempt to all his receivers in 2018 was not that far off of what Roethlisberger was doing to all of his receivers not named Antonio Brown. So maybe this drop-off isn't as, as big as it, as it looks. And uh, I'm cert- certain that Antonio Brown is going to be targeted heavily in this offense. They uh, obviously acquired him to, to throw the ball to him. So I would assume that he would get the 10-plus targets that he's been some getting so I moved Brown down a little bit in my uh, rankings. I didn't think this was a great landing spot for him, but it wasn't a terrible one either. I still have him ranked as a, a middle of the road wide receiver one. I think he should uh, be going probably in the second round uh, of fantasy drafts. He's getting a little bit older uh, as well, um, but I think from a quarterback standpoint, it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, Raiders offense obviously is a boost. Uh, they also signed to Row Williams and let cut uh, Jordy Nelson, so they're looking for more explosion in the passing game. Um, and then in, in um, Pittsburgh, Juju Smith-Schuster is getting a lot of love because he's great, uh, but he saw 160-plus targets last year, so it's not like his target share can really go up too much. I think the biggest – I mean, I think he's definitely a wide receiver one. I would actually draft him ahead of Antonio Brown at this point, um, but – the, the two biggest beneficiaries to me are James Washington, who's likely to step into that wide receiver two role. Uh, I watched his uh, receptions and targets from the last half of last season, and uh, he looked really um, he looked capable, uh, is how I'll phrase it. He was obviously really good uh, in college. Uh, he won uh, was it the Fred Bolitnikoff Award for being the nation's best receiver, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Matt Harmon, who did his uh, reception perception, uh, he was one of the f- favorites coming out of college last season um, in terms of his route running. Uh, so when I watched it, he's a little bit thicker. He looks kind of reminds me of Justin Blackman in terms of his size and, and just the way he's built. Uh, but he's a big, strong guy and can uh, he can get open too, and he's real good in the red zone. So uh, I'm excited to see what he de- gets to do now with 160-plus uh, targets up for grabs. And the other guy 
who actually did really well on a fancy points per pass attempt uh, targeted to him is Vance McDonald. I think he was at 0.50. Um, so he was one of the most productive receivers there in Pittsburgh for, for Ben Roethlisberger when he was targeted. Uh, Jesse James is gone, so this is opening up uh, snaps for, for Vance McDonald. If he gets on the field 70%, 80% of the time, I think he's got a chance to finish in the top five. All right, let's move on to the Odell Beckham trade. He was dealt to the Browns, and everybody now is, uh, is just uh, sipping on that Browns Kool-Aid. They, they love it. So he was acquired in exchange for 2019 first and third round picks, as well as safety Jabril Peppers. A lot of people criticizing the Giants. You know, what's, what's the game plan here to trade your best player? And then they made a bunch of moves, uh, even though they're, you know, they look like they're rebuilding. So weird, weird situation with the Giants, but ultimately... They felt as though they'd be better off. Uh, Dave Gettleman, the general manager, at least felt this way, better off signing Odell Beckham Jr. and then, you know, a week later trading him to Cleveland. What's the impact here on the Browns with Baker Mayfield taking over? That second half looked great when Freddie Kitchens took over for Todd uh, Haley. Now Freddie Kitchens is going to be the head coach for Cleveland. But there's there's a lot of mouse to feed there. You've got... Uh, Jarvis Landry, you've got a good a good tandem running back. You know, uh, Kareem Hunt is going to be suspended for the first eight games, but then he takes over the um, the the Nick Nick Chubb running back out of Georgia played very very well. You've got you know one football, and you've got a couple of wide receivers that are, are used to getting the ball. So, how does this trade impact Odell Beckham from a fantasy perspective? Well, I don't know if you've been following, but there's a there's like a shadow. Or there's a shadow. Mike, there's a story that uh, Mike Francesa is shadow running the uh, the Giants, and he's either got information ahead of time or is giving his opinion, and the Giants are following it. But they <laughs> <laughs> trying to. There's a great, really good podcast with Evan Silva uh, on um, the Podfather Show, Matt Kelly's uh, podcast. Uh, it's called Big Blue Bubble Boy. Uh, if you want to listen to, to Evan's uh, breakdown of uh, all the evidence that is pointing to this uh, relationship between Mike Francesa and, and the Giants organization. But this the is legend, the legend terrible, grows. Yeah. Terrible, terrible decision to trade Beckham away and try to build around Eli Manning another year. It's not going to work out for him. I don't think uh, from a fantasy stance standpoint, uh, TJ Hernandez wrote a big article about this and used some of the same metrics when we were talking about fantasy points per pass attempt in the last segment. Um, Eli Manning has averaged 0.53 fantasy points per pass attempt when targeting Beckham, but just 0.39 to all other pass catchers. Uh, So there's a big drop-off there when he goes to other pass catchers. If you look at uh, Baker Mayfield, he averaged 0.52 fantasy points per attempt as a rookie to all of his receivers. Um, so he was about as effective fantasy-wise throwing to all of his receivers as Eli Manning was throwing to Beckham. So this looks like it's not going to be much of a downgrade. I think the eye test also tells us that Baker Mayfield is a lot better uh, passer right now uh, than Eli Manning. So I don't. I think I think this is a quarterback upgrade. Uh, so therefore, I'm not too worried about his uh, production, Beckham's production this year. I think the question is maybe the targets. Um, but if you look at Jarvis Landry. And the reason I bring him up is because he's kind of a target hog. But once Freddie Kitchens took over the play calling last year, his targets uh, dropped significantly. Uh, So he wasn't a huge part of the offense with Kitchens calling the plays. Uh, 
once once Kitchens took over in week nine, Landry saw just 21% of his team's targets after seeing 26% of the team's targets in the first uh, eight weeks. So already kind of being phased out a little bit, not, maybe not phased out so much, but you know he's not going to see the 10-plus targets Landry. He's probably going to see the 6-8 to eight range, and then you've got Beckham seeing 10-plus. So I think Beckham's going to be fine. This is obviously great. Uh, for Baker Mayfield, who is already you know pushing in t- to be ranked in the top ten at the quarterback position, I think now he's got a decent chance to finish in the top five if everything goes well. I, I know his stock's going to rise significantly, so he's probably going to get out of the price range that we would recommend our listeners to to start drafting a quarterback, which is the ninth or tenth round in most fantasy drafts. Uh, but if he's if he's there uh, later on, or if you want to take a roll the dice on him in the seventh or eighth round, it's uh, not a bad idea. He's, he's going to be productive. He was very productive in the second half of the last season under Kitchens as well. So, uh, and then just going back to the Giants, uh, they signed Golden Tate as a replacement. Uh, I don't, you know, that's not, that's not good for Eli Manning. That's not good enough. Uh, Golden Tate's a good player and he should be fine as a fantasy asset, but, uh, he's no Odell Beckham. So it's a downgrade for the entire, uh, uh, New York Giant offense. Let's talk about Deshaun Jackson before we move on to the position-by-position free agent signings. Deshaun Jackson, while didn't get the same attention as Antonio Brown and and Odell Beckham, uh, he was traded back to the Eagles, so he winds up with the team that uh, originally drafted him. They acquired Deshaun Jackson in a 2027th round pick from the Bucks in exchange for a 2019 sixth round pick, and it just didn't it didn't work out for Jackson it, in in Tampa Bay. He didn't he was never seemingly on the same same page as Jameis Winston. There was a comment at one point that he kind of that he made alluding to the fact that he's he's more productive and he likes having Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback as opposed to Winston. Nevertheless, he winds up in a really good spot with the Eagles, who are going to have Carson Carson Wentz and. You know they needed a, a deep threat to be mixed in uh, with with their offense. So uh, I like the spot, but at 32, what's his perspective from a fantasy angle? And then going back to the Bucks, you know, with Adam Humphreys walking in free agency, what what's left for Bruce Arians? Uh, well, I think J- Jackson specifically is going to be what he typically is, which is a field stretcher. He's going to be a big play guy. He's he's a better pick in best ball than he is in, in regular season long. Um, weekly starting type traditional fantasy leagues because he's a little bit hard to trust, but he's going to have some of those three for 130 in a touchdown or two touchdown games for you. Uh, he's also going to probably have a one for seven game where his deep ball doesn't connect. Um, or Carson Wentz can't connect the deep ball with, with Deshaun Jackson. Carson Wentz throws a very good deep ball. So this is a very nice pairing uh, for Jackson in terms of the quality of targets that he should see as the field stretcher. Uh, I just, don't think he's going to be a trustworthy, necessarily a trustworthy every week start. I think he will, by the end of the season, finish with fantasy starter type numbers. Uh, it's just weekly, a week to week basis. It's looking a little bit dicey. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey probably gets helped by this because of the field stretching aspects of, of uh, Jackson. Aguilar obviously is, takes a bump uh, down. Uh, he's the third or fourth option now, uh, fourth really. In the, in the passing game behind Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz is probably safe given his the nature of the routes he runs compared to what Jackson does. This probably helps Ertz as well in terms of the quality of targets, and it's obviously very good for uh, for Carson Wentz, uh, another dangerous weapon in this passing game. So I think Jackson will be uh, happy to get out of Tampa and, and have a good season. And uh, in Tampa, this is all about Chris Godwin for me. Uh, I know Justin Watson is getting some love too uh, with, with Humphreys walking 
Uh, but uh, Chris Godwin, you know, finished I think wide receiver twenty three or in that range last year and was playing sixty seventy percent of the snaps most weeks. Uh, he's been extremely good when uh, Jackson was sidelined, uh, posting I think the number thirteen uh, fantasy numbers uh, in those games that uh, Jackson was signing. He even had a couple of bad games. He had a ten target game. I think he had one catch and I think he had a goose egg. Uh, but in the six or seven games that Jackson missed over the last couple seasons, he's been uh, he's been excellent. Uh, Godwin closed the season very strong uh, two seasons ago, and then uh, you know was a little bumped down in playing time a little bit. We thought he might be playing more than he did, uh, but when Jackson was out, he was still pretty excellent. And with Humphreys gone as well, I think it's great for Chris Godwin. I'm going to look to start drafting him in the fifth or sixth round this this year. And um, Mike Evans is. Pretty much unchanged. Jameis Winston, I think, still gets uh, a ben- the benefit of having Bruce Arians there, uh, help to helping to coordinate the offense. Uh, so, and OJ Howard is is also uh, a beneficiary from the from the Humphreys move in the Jackson uh, trade. All right. Note to self: draft Chris Godwin ahead of John Paulson in our fantasy leagues this year. <laughs> I've got him as a keeper, so I might I might hold on to him. Son Let's of a bee. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go position by position for the free agent signings now. We'll, we'll do a couple of quarterbacks, move on to running backs, wide receivers, and then tight ends. And uh, John will give more of a quick hit throughout, but uh, we'll, we'll try to mention the names a couple of times so you know who we're talking about. Nick Foles goes to the Jaguars. He agreed to terms, gets a boatload of money, four years, $88 million, and Nick Foles has done a fantastic job of winning the games that matter, i.e. playoffs and also a Super Bowl, and got himself paid. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, Nick Foles is kind of like a souped-up version of Tim Tebow to me, where you, you watch Nick Foles play, and he has a couple of great games, and everybody says, he's a born winner. But when you watch him, and you're like, uh, this is not going to work out in Jacksonville, right? Not, not over the course of an of entire year. But, it, but it, again, going back to Tebow, winds up being a polarizing figure, because you got staunch supporters on one side, and the, the, the rest of us are kind of like, yeah, no, he's not that great. But Foles goes to Jacksonville. What's the fantasy impact here? Well, in the last, the last 12 games for the Eagles, Foles has averaged 20.3 points per game, fantasy points per game, averaging 271 yards, 1.75 touchdowns, 0.83 t- interceptions per game. So he's quite capable. I think wow, the question yeah. is, uh, can they keep him protected? He's not mobile at all, so they have to... Uh, they have to protect him and keep him clean. If they keep the pocket clean, then he can deliver. Now, the... You don't, they don't. The Jacksonville Jaguars do not have the receiving weapons that the Eagles have. Uh, they have some talent there. Uh, D.D. Westbrook. Uh, they're going to have Marquise Lee back. Uh, so they, they, they've got some weapons there. They're not as good as the Eagles. So the, that's the big question: is you know keeping the pocket clean and uh, allowing him to operate and deliver the ball. I think he could post QB fantasy QB two numbers as a streamer type. Uh, if if everything works out well, they have a strong running game and, and he's able to. Uh, throw the ball effectively uh, and not have to deal with uh, pressure from the uh, defensive line. So that's the question with the, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This offense has not been super productive uh, for a while, and uh, I don't think he comes in and changes everything, but I think he can be an effective uh, passer when uh, when he has time. All right, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with the Dolphins. Now Miami was hot after Teddy Bridgewater certainly would have been uh, an interesting spot for Bridgewater to land, but he re-signed with the Saints on a one-year deal, maybe hoping to be the Saints starter if and when Drew Brees calls it a day. And Brees was, I mean, he played 
very poorly. Looked looked his age in the last three, four, maybe maybe month month in the playoffs for for the Saints. Uh, a month of the regular season and then into the playoffs is what I meant. Let me clarify that. Going back to Miami, though, they pivot. They don't get Teddy Bridgewater. They get Ryan Fitzpatrick. Two years, $11 million. Not a lot of weapons in Miami. Not a great offense. They're, they're, they're changing things because they fired Adam Gase. Is there anything to like about Ryan Fitzpatrick from a fantasy standpoint? He's going to be a streamer as well. When he has you know a good matchup, um, he'll be an option. Uh, they do have Kenny Stills, have Albert Wilson coming back from injury, and Devontae Parker they resigned. He has some talent. But this is not um, as good of a receiving core as what Fitzpatrick had in Tampa. And um, I don't think the, the offensive mind is as strong there either, uh, running the offense. So uh, he's going to be like a low-end QB2 type. And you know maybe if he's playing uh, a, a really bad defense, you might be able to run him out there as a, as a streamer. Yeah, the, the Dolphins waited on Brian Flores, who was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. They won the, Super, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and then the Dolphins named Brian Flores um, their head coach. Now, I always kind of preach this when you think about who the head coach is for a team. If he's defensive-minded, a lot of times those guys want to run the football. Why? Because they want to protect their defense. And by running the football, you maintain – you hope to maintain um, possession – and your defense remains fresh. Now, that doesn't always work, and a lot of times the analytics will point to throw on first down, throw on second, run in short short yardage uh, situations, and then in the second half, really run the ball to, to protect the lead that you hopefully gained in the first. But I bring this up from a fantasy perspective because with Brian Flores as the head coach, I'm assuming they're going to run the ball a lot. So as John just noted, if you're thinking about maybe streaming Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout the year, you maybe get in a situation where you know Miami's going to fall behind because otherwise I just I, I see the Dolphins running the football a lot. Speaking of running the football, the well, let's get into some running back signings. I brought up Adam Gase, who was fired in Miami. He was hired by the Jets, who landed Le'Veon Bell on a massive contract, $52.5 million for four years. The Jets lost a couple of offensive linemen, including James Carpenter, uh, otherwise, though, you've got a situation with the Jets, the rebuilding. Sam Darnold showed some flashes last year, and they hope to be contending maybe in a year or two. The, the toughest part for fantasy owners, though, John, is that Le'Veon Bell hasn't played in over a year after skipping all of last season with Pittsburgh. So what do you think about this signing with the Jets, and then what's the impact on Pittsburgh now that we know for sure that Bell is not coming back? I think uh, he's going to be a low-end RB1 in my early rankings uh, he should be going i think near the the turn there at the the one two turn towards the bottom of the first round this is not shaping up to be uh, as good of an offense as what the, the the Steelers had what he enjoyed there in terms of uh, scoring opportunities but they have the potential to be uh you know significantly better uh if, if Sam Darnold can take a big step forward uh in his second season i think the question for me is this offensive line uh, they were one of the worst in adjusted line yards last year. They did uh, trade for a former Pro Bowler. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce his name here. Kaleche Osemele. I don't there you know go. If that's right. Kaleche uh, Osemele. Kaleche. I think like it's, Kale- it's like Kaleche from Game of Thrones. I like it. Kaleche uh, <laughs> Osemele. Osemele. Was that Osemele? I think, I think it's uh, Kaleche Osemele. All right. 
We're probably both it, wrong. Let's be it honest. wouldn't be a, the most accurate podcast if we were inaccurately weren't interact, <laughs> inaccurately pronouncing somebody's names. I know it drives people nuts. So you call yourself the most accurate podcast, and you just screwed up that name. Yeah. Uh, he was a former pro bowler, but it was not great last year. I know he struggled with some uh, – he's a guard. He uh, struggled with some injuries, but I, I went back and looked at the pro fantasy fo- uh, focus uh, – grades for him in the first four weeks before his injuries and they weren't great so he if he needs to get back to where he was playing well for this to be a big impact signing for the jets and i want to see what they do in the draft if they invest in the offensive line or not if they don't then uh bell's outlook is not going to be as strong as it as it maybe could be if they if they drafted a couple of linemen early in the in the draft all right, Mark Ingram winds up in a fantastic spot in Baltimore. He signs a three-year, $15 million contract uh, with the Ravens after eight years in New Orleans. I do want you to kind of spend some time talking about the Saints' impact here because they added Latavius Murray to be Alvin Kamara's backup or you know sidekick. But Ingram goes to a run-heavy team that is turning completely to Lamar Jackson, who is not the passer. Um, you know, not a, not a dynamic passer at this early in his career. But you also got Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon that are there. Alex Collins, I, dr- I overdrafted Alex Collins last year. He was cut. He's not in the mix. I could see myself overdrafting Mark Ingram a bit. What's, what's your thoughts on Ingram? Great situation, but again, you got Edwards and Dixon there. See, I moved him up to like 13, 14 in my never too early rankings because hmm. I think the volume's going to be there. I like Mark Ingram. He's a uh, good runner. He's also versatile. He's caught like 3.1 passes per game, I think, over the last two seasons for the Saints. So he can play on all three downs. Uh, and the landing spot, as you mentioned, is fantastic, at least from a volume standpoint. Greg Roman, uh, six seasons as an offensive coordinator, never once finished outside the top nine in rushing attempts, never once finished outside the top eight in uh, rushing yards uh, in Buffalo, the last two seasons, his teams uh, led the league in rushing, or it was 2015-2016, sorry. But his team teams led the league in rushing yards. Uh, they were second in uh, rushing attempts uh, and first back-to-back seasons in rushing touchdowns. So Greg Roman with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, they're going to run the ball a ton. Now, you may say Gus Edwards is there and Kenneth Dixon is there. And yes, those are... They were very viable runners last year. I think they're going to be used in a committee, but you're going to be running the ball 30, 35, sometimes 40 times a game, I think, in this offense. There's going to be plenty of work for Mark Ingram uh, to generate RB1 numbers. I really like his uh, his stock now that he's hit uh, Baltimore and he's the, he's the feature runner there. Kind of a weird landing spot for Tevin Coleman. Now, he he, he signs with uh, former offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. That's, that's not the weird part, but... Shanahan even admitted that it, it could make sense, a lot of sense this year, for the 49ers to have four active running backs on game day. Now, the misconception is Shanahan wants to throw all the time. He doesn't. He, he's got an outside zone running scheme that he'll, he relies on heavily uh, to set up the pass in some regards. It's not as simple as, as how I just made it sound, but he will run the football. That's that's the bottom line. But you've got Tevin Coleman, Matt, Matt Breida, you got uh, Jarek McKinnon, who's going to come back at some point. Raheem Mossert joined the mix late last year due to injuries. So, I mean, with Tevin Coleman, he got a he got a really good look last year when Devontae Freeman went out in Atlanta. And because, in large part, if the Falcons' offensive line fell apart, Coleman wasn't great. I don't really trust him 
even though he's a dynamic player and he and he and he could he could have a a spark from a fantasy perspective, John. I just don't trust Tevin Coleman, especially in this situation. No, this is a, a looking like it's going to be a, at least a two, probably a three man committee. Breda, uh, Breda uh, um, definitely earned a role as well. He was good, and uh, McKinnon will be back. So I think you have three running backs with very similar skill sets. They can all run the ball. They can all pat, uh, you know, catch passes as well. And they're all like smaller, quicker guys. So I think, uh, you, you're this from a fantasy standpoint, this is not a good landing spot in terms of clarity. I think you might be best served drafting the third, uh, whoever's third in the, in the, in terms of ADP going latest in drafts, he might be the one that you want to pick and hoping you're maybe hoping for an injury and maybe, a. uh, a job change or a depth chart change, and you end up with the number one running back in, in, in uh, San Francisco. All right, Mike Davis agrees to terms with the Bears. He, he, he's formerly with the Seahawks. Two years, $6 million, and um, I think there's a, a couple of things here. One, talk about the Bears' impact with Mike Davis, but but also Seattle. And then there's a couple other running backs, and you could just kind of throw your, your two cents in. Adrian Peterson re-signed with Washington, and Carlos Hyde winds up with the Chiefs. Yeah, Mike Davis to the Bears is interesting from the standpoint that they were trying to reportedly get rid of Jordan Howard, trade him away. Uh, if they do, then Mike Davis could be the the so-called thunder to uh, treat Cohen's lightning in that in that offense, and he might have some you know spot start value there for Chicago if that's the case. Uh, they that'll be an interesting job. Uh, competition to watch there between Davis and Howard and whether or not they move Howard uh, this offseason still. Uh, Adrian Peterson resigning with Washington was you know very bad, in my opinion, for, for Darius Geis's outlook. You were hoping that Peterson sort of rode on into the sunset if you were a Geis owner, and now uh, he's back and he you know looked pretty good last year for Washington, so I don't, I'm not surprised necessarily that they brought him back. I think it speaks more to maybe Geis's uh, injury and whether or not he's going to be fully ready for the for the season and then if they are both healthy uh who's the who's the lead back it's probably going to be peterson right now given uh the current standings so and then carlos hyde there for uh for kansas city i think this is actually a pretty good signing for damian williams i think damian williams still leads this backfield and and carries i think hyde's a you know versatile uh back up there for for them but i think it's going to be williams in the lead role and hyde uh as the backup and the other one i wanted to mention that I, in the earlier segment with mark ingram was latavius murray replacing him in new orleans i think that's a kind of an underrated signing for for murray in terms of his fantasy stock i think he could fill most of the role that ingram felt uh filled while he was there in the last couple seasons as being one of the primary runners there 13.3 Touches per game, I believe, uh, for Ingram, 18 in the previous year. Uh, so there's a pretty sizable role in that offense. And if Murray gets, you know, all of his his carries, you know, half a touchdown a game, we're already into low-end RB2 territory. So I think Murray uh, will be a, a good value uh, on draft day. And if, if anything were to happen to Alvin Kamara, uh, Murray would vault into the top 10 as, as, as possibly an RB1. So, um Keep an eye on that Murray uh, uh, stock as, as he gets into that uh, offense and starts to uh, gets into training camp and everything to see how he's doing and, and what sort of role they're expecting for him. I think they signed him to, to money uh, that or contract that is just indicates that they're going to use him. 
We talked as we move into wide receivers now, John. We talked a little bit about Tyrell Williams winding with the winding up with the Raiders. What's interesting about this is he signed the biggest contract uh, of any wide receiver this offseason. It was a four year deal, forty four million. Jordy Nelson, as we mentioned, is gone, but Antonio Brown was added uh, into that Oakland wide receiver mix. Even though they're giving Tyrell Williams a lot of money, and at six foot four and two hundred and five pounds, and he's got four four speed, I mean this this is. This is quite a playmaker. Is is it going to be a wasted pick for fantasy owners given the situation? Given that uh, Antonio Brown's going to be on the other side. See, I think Williams is looking like if you know he's going to be ranked in the mid forties every week because he's a big play player, kind of like Deshaun Jackson. Uh, but I think Deshaun Jackson will have more value on a weekly basis than Tyrell Williams. The interesting thing here, yes, you have Antonio Brown coming in, but you lost uh, Jared Cook. Uh, and I know you. We have to talk about Jared Cook. It's in our contract Naturally. podcast. So he went to he went to the the Saints. Um, so uh, we can talk about him a little bit later in the tight, tight end signings. But his the, his targets there and his job is is now open. So he frees up some targets as well. And that's a that's a role that Williams could end up taking if he ends up with six to eight targets per game. Then he's going to have some games where he's contributing to fan, your fantasy lineup. Uh, and those targets being freed up by Cook certainly opens up that opportunity, even with Antonio Brown, who's going to garner most of the uh, attention of the secondary. So I think Williams has a little bit of upside there in that offense. Uh, I know we mentioned Golden Golden Tate to the Giants. Any other thoughts on Golden Tate, or should we move on to Devin Funches? I think he could, you know, be a, a ten eight to ten target guy there. They're just gonna. The problem with the Giants is that they're gonna go very run heavy with Saquon Barkley, and you just don't know how much Tate how much work Tate's going to get in the passing game. They are going to have to throw it some. They're probably going to be trailing in games, so you end up with Tate and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram uh, splitting the passing game work. I, I think he could be more of a factor in PPR formats, maybe getting that 6-for-80 or 6-for-60 type game as opposed to uh, the sort of production you saw with him in Detroit where he was uh, a bona fide wide receiver 2. I think he maybe he's looking at wide receiver 3 type numbers with, with New York. All right, I mentioned Devin Funches. He agreed to terms with the Colts on a, on a one-year contract. Chris Ballard, the general manager there, he takes a flyer on a, on a receiver that certainly has a lot of talent, but he's coming off a down season. Now, T.Y. Hilton is still the uh, breadwinner in that offense, and Frank Reich loves to use his, t- his tight ends, as we saw. But what about Devin Funches? Kind of a, an interesting landing spot. He goes from Cam Newton to Andrew Locke. It was definitely a you know, a job available for him and, and usage available for him as the number two receiver in that offense. The question I have, as you mentioned, the tight end position, you know, uh, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle, are they both going to be ahead of Funchess in terms of targets? Because if Funchess is the number four option, I don't know how much of a fantasy impact he's going to have. Uh, he, he will have his spot, spot games where he does well. Uh, if he's the third option, maybe. I think Ebron is probably ahead of him uh, behind uh, Hilton. Uh, so then you end up with Funchess as the third option at, uh, at best, uh, and you're looking at him as you know red zone option. He's a bigger he's a bigger receiver, um, not great with separation because he isn't very fast, uh, but he definitely brings something different to this offense in terms of size, uh, uh, as opposed to and being able to post up as opposed to what Hilton does because he's smaller and, and faster and creates more separation. So uh, I think this is a Good landing spot for him, though, with with Andrew Luck throwing the ball. It's a, certainly a a quarterback upgrade in terms of accuracy for him from 
going from uh, Cam Newton to Andrew Luck. So this is a, a good move for him, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to vault him into the seventh, sixth, seventh round of, uh, in terms of ADP because uh, of, of the other options there at the tight end position for, for Indianapolis. You know, John, I, I I really like this signing for the Jets. Jamison Crowder winds up in New York, three-year deal, $28.5 million. Now Crowder, he was injured a lot last year in Washington, but you talk about targets throughout his career, catch rates throughout his career, he's been very good. And the reason why I like the fit with the Jets, they'll have Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunwan on the outsides, and uh, Jamison Crowder see, is, will likely see a lot of time in the slots. Jermaine Curse wasn't a great slot receiver in 2018, but it's different offense now. And Adam Gase, he takes over in New York. I just think back to what Adam Gase had with Jarvis Landry in Miami and how many targets that Jarvis Landry saw in the short to intermediate game. So am I on to something with Jamison Crowder? What do, what do you think from a fantasy spot? Well, I certainly think that the history with Landry in, in Miami indicates that uh... – yeah, there's some potential here, and they went out and signed him. They want him, uh, Crowder, to uh, fill a role. He's certainly a slot receiver. Uh, when Nunwa played, I think, 36% in the slot. Uh, in the slot. <laughs> it's the preseason for me, too, man. I know I don't want to tell you. Um, so that's the question. Who's who's really got that role uh, in this offense? I, I think it's probably good from uh, Robbie Anderson standpoint because uh you know Crowder is not a deep ball guy like like Anderson is and Anderson's uh production at the end of the year with Darnold at quarterback certainly bodes well for his production this year I think Crowder could have some good games I I I think I feel like him and Anunua are pretty similar uh so I so I wonder if maybe this is they're going to cancel each other out a little bit in this offense Adam Adam Humphreys winds up with Tennessee, four years, $36 million. Uh, Marcus Mariota, everybody's been waiting for him to break out basically since he got into the league. Humphreys, he's only 26, career highs in catches, yards, and touchdowns a year ago, and one of Jameis Winston's favorite targets. Uh, Are you bullish on Humphreys in Tennessee, or are you in wait-and-see mode because he's in a completely different spot? And as you've mentioned before, you're not not high on wide receivers signing with new teams. Yeah, they're changing their – uh, offensive coordinator because Matt LaFleur went and signed with my Packers. Uh, so I'm interested to see sort of what the outlook is for their uh, run-pass ratio. Uh, this is not has not been a giant passing offense in recent years under Marcus Mariota, although he has had some good stretches of play where he's you know throwing some touchdowns and everything. Uh, but you've got Corey Davis there, Delaney Walker's back. Uh, so you're looking at Humphreys as probably a PPR-type guy who's going to get you the five, six catches over the middle and – you know, I don't know that he's going to be a big fantasy, uh, have a big fantasy impact outside of PPR formats, but certainly in PPR formats, which is a lot of people, a lot of people play those, um, he's going to have some value. I would have him, you know, ranked in the as a wide receiver four or five right now. Yeah, in that, that in that format. And the Titans, Arthur Smith was their former assistant coach. He was coaching tight ends. He he was promoted to offensive coordinator. That that'll be Marcus Mariota's fifth play caller. In his fifth season, fifth NFL that's, season, that's suboptimal. I mean, not not good whatsoever. Uh, a couple more wide receivers. We'll move on to tight ends. We'll wrap everything up. Cole Beasley, John Brown. They go to the Buffalo Bills. A lot of slot receivers in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, this was a couple of big splash signings. I think they got about twenty five, twenty six million uh, each, of course, of their contracts. Uh, John Brown was actually looking good uh, in Baltimore prior to the. Um, quarterback change there he did start to fade a little bit before Flacco went out but 
John Brown's, I like him. I think he's a good receiver. I think the question here is how much is Buffalo going to throw the ball? Uh, Brown's arrival cer- certainly hurts Robert Foster, who had some big games late last year. Uh, he's a deep threat. You've, you've got Cole Beasley working the slot, and then you've got Zay Jones still, uh, Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. So, um, not a lot. I mean, there's not a lot enough passing volume right now in Buffalo to support all these guys. So it's going to be a you know weekly basis. One of these guys is going to have a good game, and the other three or four are not. Uh, certainly a good. Good news for Josh Allen, though, because he has plenty of weapons to throw to. He was making most of his points in the running game last year, uh, but now he has a couple more weapons to, to throw to in the, in the passing game. I could see him having a, a you know a nice QB2 season there, with given the way he can score points with his legs. Randall Cobb signs with Dallas. He essentially becomes Cole Beasley's replacement. A one-year, $5 million contract. Uh, I'm not very high on Randall Cobb. Can't stay healthy and really hasn't looked like the same player since entering the league. Yeah, he's basically going to replace Cole Beasley, who wasn't getting a ton of work uh, in the offense with Amari Cooper joining the team and Michael Gallup. Uh, they're trying to get him going. So I think Cobbs ends up being the third uh, third receiver. And you also have Jason Witten back at tight end, so that's going to gobble up some targets when he's on the field. So I, you know, Cobb is another probably low-end PPR guy that uh, is going to only be on rosters in pretty deep leagues. Dante Moncrief agreed to terms with the Steelers. He took a one-year flyer with the Jaguars last year. Didn't play well, but the quarterback situation obviously was not very good in Jacksonville. I'm putting it uh, mildly. So what what about Dante Moncrief? Potential sleeper or not really? Yeah, this is the type of signing where uh, you you lose Antonio Brown and then you sign Moncrief, uh, who could do some things. And he's had some some good games and shown some flashes. Uh, But it doesn't force you – I saw this on Twitter. I can't remember who said this, but – it's, it's the type of signing that doesn't require that you use an early round pick on a receiver. So you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Eli, or, uh, Eli Rogers, Dante Moncrief. You've got enough talent to get into the season if you wanted to wait until the third, fourth round to, to draft a receiver. Or if the right guy fell to you early on, you could could draft him. But I think with, they're feeling pretty comfortable with Smith-Schuster and Washington as their top two receivers and, and Moncrief rotating in. Um and it's, the money-wise wasn't a bad deal either for for the Steelers. So I don't look at him as he comes in and he's going to beat out James Washington. I think that they want James Washington to be that starter opposite uh, Smith-Schuster, and uh, he's going to end up being the best fantasy uh, receiver outside of Smith-Schuster by far. Uh, but Moncrief gives them another option to rotate in uh, one of the three receiver sets. All right, let's wrap it all up with some tight ends. Tyler Croft signs a three-year contract with the Buffalo Bills. He's going to compete with with uh, Jason Kroom and Logan Thomas, maybe even a draft pick in Buffalo. Not a great spot for Tyler Croft. Uh, no, the, it, I don't think that any of these tight ends in Buffalo are going to make make. They're going to have the occasional touchdown, but uh, nothing nothing here to get excited about. Uh, one guy I forgot to list on the rundown here though is Jared Cook, and I always wanted to talk about him. Uh, That's the big signing for. At the tight end position, um, I think this is a good landing spot in New Orleans. They are more run-heavy last couple seasons than they were previously, but uh, Drew Brees likes to throw to his tight end. Ben Watson was productive at times, and uh, you know, obviously Jimmy Graham had some great games uh, during his uh, great seasons during his stretch with the with the Saints, and and uh, Jared Cook proved that he could still play last year. So I, I think he's going to be a nice uh, weapon there for Drew Brees, and you know maybe you're looking at him as you know, low end tight end one as opposed to uh, 
you know, middle bill, the road tight end one, like he would have been Oakland given his rapport with uh, Derek Carr, but I, I don't think uh, Drew Brees is going to ignore him uh, at all. But yeah, back to Croft, I I don't see a whole lot going on here, but he was one of the biggest signings in terms of money at the, at the position, so I thought we should mention him. CJ Uzuma, uh, Uzuma signs, resigns with the, the Bengals, and then Tyler Eifert also goes back there. Now, Eifert had to suffer that nasty leg injury early last season, missed miss most of it. Um, what's, what's left for Eifert, and is there any fantasy potential here with Uzuma? Yeah, I mean, they basically just hit the reset button. Uh, the Bengals did at the tight end position. They're going to give Eifert another prove it deal and see if he can stay healthy. He's always been one that's been productive when healthy. Um, so you could look at him in best ball or, you know, in the late, late rounds to see if maybe he can put together a healthy season, uh, this year, because he does have, uh, some good pass catching ability and he does have a tendency to catch touchdowns. Uzumo is decent with, with Eifert out, but, um, if, if Eifert's healthy, there's no point in drafting Uzumo. All right, last one. Jesse James signs with the Lions. Run blocking, not great over the the, the recent uh, couple of years for Jesse James. Uh, the Lions are in desperate. They've, they've been desperate need for a tight end. That's why they drafted Eric Ebron if, with the tenth overall pick a couple of years ago, and then let him go. So they 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 really haven't been great at the tight end position. But Jesse James, you know, he flashed a little bit in Pittsburgh, but certainly never busted out as a fantasy player. Yeah, he's not too fast, but he's a huge body. Uh, and the reason I thought maybe they made this made this signing was because he's a great run blocker, and I know Matt Patricia wants to establish the running game. Uh, as you mentioned, defensive coordinators who end up being head coaches like to run the ball. They The, the Lions definitely went run heavy last year, uh, getting rid of uh, Jim Bob Cooter uh, and, and you know feeding the ball. Uh, to carry on Johnson when he was healthy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, James was actually a really good run blocker his first couple seasons, and then it's kind of faded the last two seasons in terms of uh, his PFF grade. So I, I'm interested to see how it if it bounces back this year, if they, they really kind of focus on him as a, more of a run blocker. But he, he'll have some red zone uh, targets and, and be a, a, uh, you know catch a touchdown or two there for Matt Stafford. But uh, I don't see this as a big passing offense, so I can't imagine that the – they're going to be able to support Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and a, and a good fantasy tight end as well. All right, there you have it, John. Uh, great job as always. Appreciate all the hard work that you poured in to all of these new signings. I know you talked a lot throughout the course of the day, so go get yourself a coffee or a, a water. And um, I, I imagine that we'll circle back and do another pod after the draft, right? That's exactly right. Okay, so we'll wait until the, the draft is over with, and we'll, we'll kind of key in on some of the the key offensive uh picks and where they went and it's going to be it's going to be interesting because again the free agency free agency this year was was absolutely wild but that'll do it for john paulson i'm anthony stalter don't forget about the early bird pricing at 444.com you've got all the subscriptions have been discounted a couple uh pro and um the classic subscriptions down 17 percent and then also the dfs subscription has been marked down 20 percent. so you want to if you're if you've ever been on the fence about joining 444.com and, and getting a subscription now's the time to do it you won't regret it for john paulson i'm anthony stalter we'll see you after the nfl draft on your body and your eyes look just like stone
Sometimes it's someone down the road Sometimes it's somebody next to you 